what show we're doing. Shut up. A short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. Oh my God, fuck me. I'm holding it up with my penis, actually. The American people, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies. I don't think I could take anything to my penis. I'm gonna need a moment. Okay, hold on. Okay, go ahead. Love the Jews. Jew hammer. <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't know about anybody. I can't speak for the listeners, but I absolutely love the intros and the outros. They're my favorite part mm. of the show now. It's all about me. Mm. Anyway. Yes. You, know. you do. You, that's, that's the part of the show where you do the most talking. Your, your contribution <laughs> is highest per minute. Of the show is right. during the soundboard but intros. As long as it's quality work, I think that's the issue. Oh, it's great work. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's Thank fantastic. You. I'm bowing. Welcome you back. Tell. Go ahead. Welcome back to the Cold War Show, episode 143. And for all of our Arabic speaking listeners out there, right. I want to say Kasamo. Which Just means. Like that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, one of, one of our Arabic listeners told me if I Does wanted it, to oh my God, Cam, swear, come on. if I wanted to swear right. in Arabic to say that. I Googled it, couldn't find anything, so casserole. Okay. Because so it I'll sounds like casserole, that. but that's fine. Don't worry, <laughs> yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> well, we're still talking about Israel right. uh, this, this week, and for the next few weeks, um, we're going to move through it pretty quickly. Quickly at a clip, yeah, clipping but, along. But uh, we, we, you know, we want to cover the the main points. So we're gonna, we're sort of starting off in the twenties, um, nineteen twenty one. You know, between sort of nineteen twenty one and nineteen twenty nine, Britain tried their best under the mandate to yeah. turn Palestine into a unified, sort of peaceful. <laughs> successful political entity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they really had no fucking chance, right. but, uh, you know, they were coming at it the wrong way, as we've seen in previous episodes. Palestinian Arabs, what? Who? Never heard of them. Uh, Are there just, any around? You know. Yeah. No. It's, a, it's, an, empty, it's an empty zone. Terra nullis. <laughs> Uh, which was, you know, to be fair, not the view of the British on the ground right. in Palestine. Yeah, they know. Uh, particularly the military, much more uh, sensitive uh, to to the yeah, that's yeah. the word I'm looking for yeah. to the Palestinians. Right. But back in London, back at Whitehall, back in the halls of power, mm-hmm. the people writing your Balfour declarations right. uh, and, and signing up to the mandates, most of whom have never been there. Uh, you know, they saw a black and white photo once of Palestine that yeah. someone took, and uh, they said, "Look, I can't see anyone in that photo. <laughs> must clearly, be, must none there. Must be empty. Right? It's a postcard. Yeah. Someone had sent citrus tree, but yeah, mm. yeah. 
But meanwhile, during this period in the 20s, the, the Jewish and the Arab communities both grew in size and also in strength because mm-hmm. they knew what was coming. Right. Uh, Come on. They, Come on. Yeah. Yeah. They could see the right. They could both see the writing on the wall here. Uh, but during the 20s, mostly fairly tranquil, the area. If you were, if you wanted to be optimistic, mm-hmm. you would say, look, there's, there's been no major outbreaks yeah. of violence Come. for years and years and years. Yeah, look at this. Uh, it's, it's, it's all going to be fine. Right. We've worked it out. Yeah. Nailed it. Brotherhood. Nailed it. <laughs> the British said. Brotherhood. We're holding hands. We're singing. I, actually, no, no, but you're Nailed right. Nailed it. You can't mistake um, currently not killing each other for everlasting peace. Like you just said, both sides are gearing up for war because they know this is a, a situation that can't last. The British want to pretend it's everything's fine. They can go on doing that, but both sides are gearing up. But you're right, for most of the 1920s, things were calm just because it was the calm before the storm. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're all gearing up yeah. for battle. They're getting their guns, literally right. getting <laughs> their... Literally, they're doing a Neo and a John Wick saying, Yeah, yeah, strapping on. Guns, <laughs> lots of guns. Uh, yeah. So, uh, the, the British sort of also became increasingly irrelevant in the area over this period of time. The Jews and the Arabs, both with this nationalist view that we've talked about in earlier episodes, this mm-hmm. nationalist feeling. They're building their own organizations, their own political organizations, their own military organizations, militias. Right. They're they're sort of taking control of their own destiny because neither of them trust the British to protect them. And, you know, I have to say, (laughs) knowing a little bit about the British, uh, good good call. Um, British aren't going to protect shit. Yeah. Uh, couldn't even protect themselves from Hitler uh, <laughs> at this point, at this juncture, right. a, few years, a few years after this, uh, we have to say, because we're talking about the, the 20s here. It was yeah. by, by the late 30s, oh, uh, yeah. British can't even protect themselves. He's running the table. Um, yeah. yeah. But, of course, in Palestine, in this period, the Jews were growing as both an economic and a political mass far faster than the Arabs were. There were still more Arabs in Palestine, lots more Arabs in Palestine, but but the Jews were growing like like genital warts on (laughs) on a dick. I mean, they were... Spreading, yeah. (laughs) Spreading, yeah. yeah. Anything, everything that... Everything you touched that was hot and moist (laughs) got a Jew on it. Uh, you're like, fuck, where did that one come from? I didn't know that was there. I thought I used the cream. But, 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 but you make a good point. Just because things are calm for most of the 1920s, the, the British kind of kick back, still trying to create a political machine that you and I and everyone who knows anything about the history isn't going to work. But at the same time, the Yeshuv was, um, I, I wouldn't say that they were lulled into a false sense because they were gathering up weapons as well. But the, the, the thing is, because there's currently no fighting, they can go on with developing their part of Palestine. And they are. The infrastructure, the economy, everything's getting better. But but you're right. It doesn't matter that things are calm now because the numbers that are growing on both sides are going to tell, are going to 
determine what's going to happen in the future. Uh, in 1918, there were about 60,000 Jews and about 700 Arabs. Uh, and at the end of 1922, when the British do their first census, there's 84,000 Jews and 760,000 Arabs. And that all came down to immigration. So just as far as the pace that is being set, a couple more years like this, and there's going to be some real challenges coming from the Jews because they are just, their numbers are just increasing so quickly and it's making the Arabs head spin and they're panicking at the same time. They know they have to do something. They're certainly not getting any help from the British. And by 1931, when the British did their second census, mm. there were 175,000 Jews up from 60,000 right. in 1918. Right. So in was there 13 years the number of Jews has nearly tripled yes. in Palestine. It, number of Arabs in that period has gone from 700,000 to 880,000. Yeah. So the Arabs have grown just through, you know, a little little bit right. of immigration, which is normal. But mostly right. But you know, some people coming in from Iraq, etc., right. getting away from the French. Um, but you know, they, but mostly birth rate, right. uh, I would imagine. So they've they've grown by uh, 180 thousand. So that's like 20 uh, percent, yeah, roughly. Uh, the Jews have increased by 300 well, percent. Now, all yeah. of those Arabs, by the way, of course, are not Muslims. Oh, good point. Out of that 880 thousand Arabs, 775 thousand of them Muslims, 93 thousand. Christians. There mm-hmm. would also be probably 10,000 Druze in right. there as well. Yeah. Uh, but the Jews have been one less than one-tenth of the population of Palestine in 1919. By 1931, they were one-fifth. Wow. And they didn't show any signs of slowing <laughs> down. So you imagine... You know, as we've we've used this analogy before, people in our respective countries get all bent out of shape over Muslim immigration yes. into our countries, or in your country, Mexicans or other people from across Latin America trying to get in across the wall that Trump has built. Uh, massive wall, wonderful right. wall, terrific Beautiful wall. Nobody wall. knows how to build walls right. better than Trump, and he got Mexico to pay for it. Oh, I'm uh, by Mexico. Oh, okay. by Mexico, he means the American taxpayers. Yeah. Hola. Uh, so, <laughs> well, look, aren't we all Mexicans at the end of the day? That's true. Really? Do you yeah. do you eat tacos? Oh, then you're a, I love tacos Tuesday. Fucking, yes. Yeah, you're oh. a fucking Mexican. That's what he meant. Like, if not his fault, if you didn't read between the lines. He said yeah. it, it was a little star right, on his speech, bottom. Mexicans, yeah. down the bottom. Yeah. By Mexicans, I mean anyone who eats tacos um, or chipotle, you know, oh, then you're, yes. you're a fucking double you're, you're Mexican. You're an honor, honorary Mexican. Right. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, so, you know, you can understand how they felt. And like when we talk about Muslim immigration into the West uh, or, or Mexicans, mm-hmm. they're not like they're, they're not really uh, coming in in droves. You know, right. they're, they're a very, very, they're a fucking dot on the map of immigration in our countries. Not really growing because we do have border protection and we, we have limits on what we allow and don't allow, rightly or wrongly. Uh, uh, here, yeah. they're just they're just pouring in, flooding in, and the Palestinians at the time, the Arabs, the Palestinians are like, whoa, whoa, whoa if this horsey. if this keeps up right. before long, there won't be any room. Now, and I also want to point out, I want people to remember this right. that. Uh, we, we, particularly when we get into the 30s, there's there's a Great Depression that kicks in 
as well in sort of, you know, 1929, 1930, the Great Crash, Depression affected the global economy. Yeah. And so you've got massive immigration and a global depression, economic slump. These things compound. But anyway, we'll we'll, we'll get to that in, in, in a bit. And you have to remember, we've covered this in previous episodes, but the whole Jewish immigration, I mean, this is masterfully orchestrated. You've got Rothschild money. You've got propaganda coming out from the Shiv. You've got these incredible writers writing poems and books and plays about, come here, this is an empty paradise. You've got a bunch of people showing up and, and, and a lot of rich Jews uh, outside of Palestine helping to pay the way. So this is highly organized versus to what the Arabs are doing. But again, I think in some ways they might be trying to fall back on common sense, as in, if you look around, you can see it's, you know, whatever, 80 or 85 percent Arab. How how are we not running our own government in this land that we've had for at least 2,000 years? But because the British are there, they're making sure nothing like that happens. But again, uh, it's, it's highly organized immigration versus pretty much nothing the Arabs are doing. And they're just getting more and more frustrated as the years go by because they can see what's happening to their to their very own land. Now, there weren't as many Jews coming as the Zionist leaders had hoped. They had a goal of 70 to 80,000 Jewish immigrants a year from 1918 onwards. Come on. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is they want them there. They want the numbers. They want the representation so they can then go to the British and go, we need to have our own government because look at all the Jews here. They know exactly what they want. And because they want to overwhelm the Arabs yes. as quickly as possible. Exactly. But most most of the Jewish immigration in those years went to the US. Uh, yes. You know, they were like, well, we could go. Yeah, sure, we could go <laughs> we to could. a fucking empty desert. <laughs> or Hi. yeah, we could go somewhere where there's at least, you know, toilets right. and water. I don't know. It's a big call. They got cafes. Call. They got... Uh, yeah, my cousin's mm. got a business there. He's a dry cleaner. I can get a job or I can mm. go sweat in the desert. I think I'll take my mm. family to the United States. Mm. Nevertheless, between the Balfour Declaration in, what do you say, 1917? Yep. Or was it 18? One of the Late. two. Yep. And 1926, so within eight, nine years, about 100,000 Jews entered Palestine. Right. It's developing. Yeah. Jab, Jab, Jab the Hutt, <laughs> a.k.a. Jabotinsky, right. that uh, we mentioned in an earlier episode, he was one of the founders of Haganah, the militia, Jewish militia, right. Zionist militia in Israel. Uh, he created a new political party in 1925 called Betar Ooh, okay. that wanted uh, to take a much more hard-wing right stance. They were reactionaries. That, you know, up until then, like publicly, the yep. Zionists were like, listen, we, we, we don't want to push anyone out. Right. We love the Arabs. Yeah. The Arabs are great. They're going to We just want to help. Yeah. 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 We're going to bring our money. We're going to bring our talent. We're going to Kumbaya, build the economy, motherfucker. Now, now, privately, of course, <laughs> in their private <laughs> meetings their and private correspondence and exactly. their di- diaries and journals, exactly. the the Zionist leaders were like, hey, 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 "We're going to fucking take over and kick the Arabs out." Right. But wait. publicly, oh yeah, you got. They to. were going, "No, no, no, no. It's all, it's all great. It's all great." 
But Jabotinsky was like, "Fuck that shit. Right. I'm, I'm just going to be. Uh, I'm going to be honest about what our plans are here because we don't have time to fuck around." Right. So he created this new political party. They wanted to take the Transjordan, so all the stuff to the east of Israel. Again, once a few years ago, this had all been part of the Ottoman Empire. Yes. Uh, all part of like Greater Syria. Uh, now it's been split up. So this is the stuff across right. the Jordan, which is sort of runs northwest, uh, sorry, north-south mm-hmm. um, in this area, divides Israel on the left, Transjordan on the right. Right. They wanted to take that and the rest of the land by force. Hell yeah. That was Betar's publicly stated goals. Now, Jabotinsky, uh-huh. uh, big fan of Mussolini. <laughs> and Who isn't? Sorry. Well, yeah, true. Um, <laughs> he looked look so dapper yeah. in his uniform. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got to admire a man who knows how to, knows how to dress, dress sharp. Right, yeah. You know, not many people know this, but ZZ Top's song, Sharp Dressed Man. Oh, yeah. It's about, Mussol- about Mussolini. I, the first draft of the lyrics right. <laughs> <Everybody> was... Uh, <laughs> Everybody loves a Duce that's, El Duce that's a sharp dressed man. Something like that. Yeah, okay. right. something like that. <laughs> Everybody's crazy about Mussolini. Switch the, okay, I see where you're going. They got pushed back from the record label. Said, you, know, you know how it is. Uh, uh, not too many mm-hmm. Mussolini fans still around in the 80s. If you could work on that, please, <laughs> that, that'd be great. <laughs> so Jabotinsky uh, admired Mussolini and he, you know, just this whole take, take the Horse by the bit, <laughs> I think. Take the bull by the horns was what he liked about it. Or his penis. Yeah, um, go. He, he sought assistance from Rome, and as we'll see, he wasn't the only one. Right. Both sides, both sides here, both the Jews and the Arabs in the 20s and the 30s were like, Hitler, Mussolini, <laughs> you guys are fucking, you, rock. you got it going on. Yeah. Yeah. How do we, how do we get some of boxes. that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and apparently Jabba the Hutt had no real animosity towards the Arabs either. He wrote, the Arab is culturally backward, but his instinctive patriotism is just as pure and noble as our own. It cannot be bought. It can only be curbed by force majeure. A zero sum game. Yeah. Jabba the Hutt was all into the force as long as it was (laughs) force majeure. Can can I just say that I mean it, his Zionism is like is like a, a, an iron rod. I mean it's just very rigid. He wrote that there is no justice, no law, and no God in heaven. Only a single law which decides and supersedes all Jewish settlement of the land. So no games, no patronizing, no little you know. Let me whisper this in a corner. We we're gonna we're gonna put this out. And if I could just real quick. Uh, mention his mentality just to give you a sense of how intense this guy is. And we're not judging. We're just saying this guy knows what he wants and he's going for it. And he thinks Mussolini is a good example of how to get what you want. Jabotinsky is going to go on to write two pamphlets, The Iron Wall, and I think the other one is called maybe Beyond the Iron Wall. And his argument is very simple. That's why it was a pamphlet, not a book. He says, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to talk we're not going to negotiate. We're not going to concede. We're not going to do anything. There's going to be no dialogue. There's going to be no conversations over a table. We're going to bust heads and take what we want, never, ever compromising on anything. Now, in a generation or two, we'll talk. Why? Because one, they'll be so relieved we're actually talking to them. 
Two, they'll be and they'll be uh, thinking that we're actually going to concede something we've taken over the years. We're not going to, but they'll have that impression. And three, we'll come across as slightly moderate, and maybe they will accept it. So his idea is for is this: for the next 20, 25 years, bust heads. Then once we get everything we want, including the Transjordan, including everything they want, then we'll talk. We won't give anything back, but we'll talk all day long because we will have what we want. And that mentality is going to last in Israel for decades. Yeah, I've got a copy of Jabba's uh, Iron Wall uh-huh. uh, document here. Oh, this is dated 1923. Right. And it's, it's quite uh, fascinating. Yeah. He says... Um, I am reputed to be an enemy of the Arabs who wants to have them ejected from Palestine and so forth. Mm -hmm. It is not true. Emotionally, my attitude to the Arabs is the same as to all other nations. Polite indifference. (laughs) He's an Australian. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Politically, my attitude is determined by two principles. First of all, I consider it utterly impossible to eject the Arabs from Palestine. There Mm. will always be two nations in Palestine, which is good enough for me, provided the Jews become the majority. And secondly, I belong to the group that once drew up the Helsingfors program, the program of national rights for all nationalities living in the same state. In drawing up that program, we had in mind not only the Jews, but all nations everywhere, and its basis is equality of rights. I am prepared to take an oath, binding ourselves and our descendants, that we shall never do anything contrary to the principle of equal rights, Mm -hmm. and that we shall never try to eject anyone. This seems to me a fairly peaceful credo. Yeah. Uh, now, at the bottom yeah. of that, there was at the end of that paragraph was a star, and another star was at the very bottom of the page, and it says something like, "As long as I don't have to bust heads, I can I can do all this I'm, stuff. I can do all this stuff. I've got my fingers behind my back." <laughs> and and as you can imagine, with someone like Jabotinsky in charge, because he's so passionate. In fact, he is going to be outside of Palestine because the British are going to kick him out. But the point is, he's he's there for a while and then he has to leave. But because of his passion and his drive, the Betar is going to spread very quickly. They're going to, they're, there's going to be groups in Europe, Poland, Latvia, Lithuania, Austria, Czechoslovakia, Germany. So he takes this idea about we have to take what we want and we can't take shit off people anymore. And he's going to, he's going to build up. It's almost like Boy Scouts on acid. No, no, let me put it this way. It's just his own radical political party that he is spreading offices throughout the the Western world because he knows he's going to need their help in the future. Yeah, but like, I've, let me keep reading yes, from this I'm document. Sorry. He's very, he's, he, that's all right. He's very um, direct about his view here. And I, I, I think it's um, mm-hmm. important to understand because, of course, beta becomes a big thing. Right. He says... Um, There can be no voluntary agreement between ourselves and the Palestine Arabs, not now, nor in the prospective future. Mm. I say this with with such conviction, not because I want to hurt the moderate Zionists. I do not believe that they will be hurt. Except for those who were born blind, they realised long ago that it is utterly impossible to obtain the voluntary consent of the Palestine Arabs for converting Palestine from an Arab country into a country with a Jewish majority. Now... I want to stop there and point out, still today, I hear from people right. 
who try and tell me there were no Arabs in Palestine before the Jews, you know, when the Jews what? came. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it was an empty country. <laughs> so Jabotinsky, writing in 1923, is very clear here that there is a Palestine that is an Arab country right. that he wants to replace with a Jewish country. Now, he also goes on, this is really interesting, he, he goes on to compare what he wants to do to what other colonial powers had done previously. Ooh. My readers have a general idea of the history of colonisation in other countries. I suggest that they consider all the precedents with which they are acquainted and see whether there is one solitary instance of any colonisation being carried on with the consent of the native population. <laughs> there is no such precedent. The native populations, civilised or uncivilised, have always stubbornly resisted the colonists, mm. irrespective of whether they were civilised or savage. It made no difference whatever whether the colonists behaved decently or not. The companions of Cortes and Pizarro, or, as some people will remind us, our own ancestors under Joshua ben Nun, behaved like brigands. But the Pilgrim Fathers, the first real pioneers of North America, were people of the highest morality, who did not want to do harm to anyone, least of all the Red Indians, and they honestly believed there was room enough in the prairies both for the pale face and the redskin. Yet the native population fought with the same ferocity against the good colonists as against the bad. Every native population, civilised or not, regards its lands as its national home, of which it is the sole master and it wants to retain that mastery always. It will refuse to admit not only new masters, but even new partners or collaborators. This is equally true of the Arabs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that's, that's his argument in yeah. the 20s. Look, good enough for the uh, <laughs> pilgrims in America. Good enough for Pizarro right. and Cortez. Good, good yeah. enough for us. Yeah. Why, sh- why should we be held to a different standard? Right. And, and, and that's, that's a reasonable argument. Yeah, whenever I talk about... Every time you haven't invited me onto your World War II show to right. talk about this, but... Um, I, I talk about it in my dreams and I'm crying uh, to myself to sleep in no way after six years of working together, all of the money right. that I've sent you over right. the years, you still, not once, Aww. have invited me on the World War II show. Six years. Okay. never, Not even once. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I would have said right. if you ever invited right. me on is uh, Hitler, <laughs> Mussolini, Hirohito, Right. Just wanted to do what America, Britain, France, and Spain had done before them, right? Which was grab some extra territory. It was all right for you guys to do it. Why not? Okay for these guys to do it. And that's the whole. Yeah. Sorry, window of opportunity is closed. Yeah. We didn't you get the? I thought you got that. Did you? Did you send them the memo? Oh. When was that? Oh well, when did we invade the Philippines? Eighteen ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, just after that. Right after. Yeah. Uh, Right after that, we so the, you know that was uh, for forty, yeah. 30, 39 yeah, years, yeah, forty years ago. Yeah. Well, you you didn't get that memo, oh, really. Sorry. Listen, I'm sorry if you didn't get that memo. A that's that's on, on us. Face. But I'm pretty sure if right. if you check your records, right. you know what it probably was. We were probably so busy invading the Philippines yeah. that I forgot uh, to CC. I, my, I'm, ta- yeah, yeah, I but see. but just to be clear, we weren't yeah. occupying the Philippines. Yes. We put up our flag, but 
and we, we had a huge. I mean, we killed, we killed millions yes, of their people, yes. millions of them. But 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 we never called it right an occupation. Words so are you important. see, that's right. That's the difference. Right. We called it just hanging out. <laughs> that was the official. It was project project hanging, hanging out. out. Is what we Make called it. Yeah, hanging out. Fucked off. Yeah. Just hanging, yeah. hanging out in the Philippines is what we... <laughs> internally. That's how we thought of it because we're right. not an empire. We're, we're just... We just... Like, here, here we are in 2019. We just hang out with 800 military bases right. that we've built at great cost around the world and installed missiles pointing at everyone who doesn't like us. Right. Who who argues with the fact just that we're uh, hanging that, that out. we have eight hundred bases? Yeah, just it's just hanging, hanging out. out. That's we're, we're not an empire. We're a hang. Yeah. We're a hanging out ire. Hanging out ire is what we are. <laughs> a hang ire. We're just hanging. Just oh, hanging. Chill. Yeah. Chill. It's okay Netflix and we chill, dude. It. We're just hanging right. out. Right. Yeah. Just don't look at the missiles. That's what we <laughs> recommend. Look away. Just don't look away. Don't think about them, right. and it'll be fine. You know, just do what we say. Don't think about the missiles and. There will fine. be no problems. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Done. Did you uh, know... I'm sorry, are you still reading the pamphlet? I apologize. <laughs> I could read this all day, man. Yeah. But did you know that Batar had its own song? Its own anthem? Uh, yeah. yeah. You want to you sing a f- few bars for us? <clears throat> well, actually, I think I'll... I was going to rap it, but I think I'll just ring it. Yeah, so... And I think Jabotinsky wrote this if i am correct from the pit of decay and dust with blood and sweat shall arise a race proud generous and cruel in the flames of revolt carry the flame to kindle never mind for silence is filth worthless is blood and soul for the sake of the hidden glory so yeah a big fan of mussolini uh going on there but basically you know destiny Blood, soul, uh, the hidden glory. So, yeah, they're going to take back what was theirs 2,000 years ago, I guess. I don't know. Well, that wasn't... They, they, he did write a song oh. for Better, but it was... Oh. But this is... Oh, thank but you. I've got a recording of uh, yes. his, his original version. Right. You better, you, you better. better watch out. Right. You better not cry. Yeah, this, this, this is this is directed at the Arabs. You better not pout. Right. You better not cry. Jews are coming to town. Jews are coming to town. Jews are coming, coming to Palestine. There's a, the original version right. lyrics were slightly I knew that, different. Actually, you know, the, the Jews are coming to town. Yeah. You better, yeah. But now, uh, you know, yeah, yes. he, 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 could, he couldn't. He, you know, they had to change the lyrics for for mainstream acceptance. You know? Right, now, Christians. Right. Christians got hold of a good Jewish thing, <laughs> and they Christianized it as they always do. Uh, the original Jewish version, was, much more authentic. Right. You know, Beirut's yeah. coming to no, not Beirut. Batar is coming to town. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, I just yes, wanted, to, I wanted to read the bit of his thing where he talks about the Iron Wall. Please. He says, uh, we cannot offer any adequate compensation to the Palestinian Arabs in return for Palestine, and therefore there is no likelihood of any voluntary agreement being reached, so that all those who regard such an agreement as a condition sine qua non for Zionism may as well say non and withdraw from Zionism. Mm-hmm. Zionist colonisation must either stop 
or else proceed regardless of the native population, which means that it can proceed and develop only under the protection of a power that is independent of the native population, behind an iron wall which the native population cannot breach. That is our Arab policy. Not what we should be, but what it actually is, whether we admit it or not. Yeah. Um, so basically, him saying, uh, you know, we need we need uh, to do this by military force. That's it. Everything else is you're kidding yourselves. Right. Fuck off with that. Fuck off with that bullshit. Right. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do this uh, uh, by the force of arms. Um, so the he finishes with the only way to obtain such an agreement is the Iron Wall, which is to say a strong power in Palestine that is not amenable to any Arab pressure. In other words. The only way to reach an agreement in the future is to abandon all idea of seeking an agreement at present. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk now. Mm. Bash heads. I'll talk later once I get what I want. Other than that, you're wasting mm. my fucking time. Mm-hmm. So that's what it is. Now, compare the following if you, if you can. So take the general Zionist attitude. We're going to come in. We're going to smile. We're going to schmooze. We're going to get people in. Even if we have to have illegal immigration, we're going to tell the Arabs, no, no, you don't understand. It's, we're, it's going to be great. We're going to build this area up and you and your family are going to benefit as well. But we know secretly they're going to, they want to take over and kick these people out and have a Jewish uh, majority. That's one. Two, is the, is the Batar, what this guy wants to do, just go in there and smash smash people in the mouth and take what he wants. There's that. Then there's a third option called the Brit Shalom, or Peace Alliance. And what these people wanted to do was they wanted to replace traditional Zionism with a binational solution, basically a unitary Jewish Arab state. We're just going to go in there. We're going to be open and honest. We're just going to get along or we're going to share everything. We're going to share power. We're going to, and, and this is their idea of a solution of somehow de-escalating the tension in the area. Believe it or not, this never really catches on because I think people can smell the, the bullshit on this one. So, so this approach doesn't go anywhere. So people have to choose between the Zionist, which is lying to and manipulating the Arabs or or with something like Batar, which is smash them in the mouth, push them out the way, and take the land. So this is what the Zionists have to choose. And this entire time, the British are standing there going, how in the hell can we get these two people to get along? It's just not going to work. Yeah, not only did it not work, uh, in the history of things that didn't work, uh, apart from my first couple of marriages, I think this is right up there. Yeah, yeah. Peace, love, In terms and of things that, yeah, yeah, really, really didn't go to plan. Um, now, of course, during all of this time uh, in the twenties, I'm talking about here, the Arabs. There were Arabs that were still willing to sell their land to the Jews. Now, uh, publicly, right. they were all going, "Oh, tell the Jews to fuck off." Right. Privately, they were selling their land at, at, for huge profit. Right. Now, because those people will always exist. There are always, in every society, yes. greedy Me. Uh, cunts, right. uh, psychopaths and just greedy people right. who will fuck over their own people, their own family, their own cause for profit. Mm-hmm. Those, those people always exist. That, that, that's not a justification for what's going on. Sure. Like you don't say, well, it was okay for the Jews to come in because the Arabs were willing to sell. I've heard that argument before, 
Well, it, it must be okay because, like, the Jews didn't come in and just take the land. It was sold to them right. by Arabs. Now, I, I should hasten to add that a lot of this immigration, a lot of these sales were illegal still during the Ottoman period and also during the British Mandate period. Um, during the Mandate period, the British passed a series of laws trying to prevent tenant farmers from being evicted, but there were always loopholes in it that the Arab sellers and the Jewish buyers could figure out how to get around, or it was just done under the table, brown paper bags, no one has to know. (laughs) Hush, hush. Gotcha. Yeah. But, you know, I I can see the argument uh, that some Jewish friends, Israeli friends have said to me in the past is that, well... You know, it, it's legit. If people are willing to sell the land and we're willing to buy it, that's 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 above board. That's legal. You can't complain about yeah, that. It's a transaction. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah. But, the, but go ahead. Go ahead. Hmm. Well, but uh, you know, you flip that on you on the head and talk about it from a modern perspective, and you were saying, well, listen, if. Um, well, in Australia, Chinese are coming in. Mm-hmm. There are, there's a billion billionaires in China. Uh, you know, they're coming in. They're just uh, buying up large chunks of Australian right. real estate, residential, commercial, agricultural, and uh, mines, you name it. And, you know, people are upset about it. People are saying, oh, whoa, oh, oh, right. oh. They're buying up our country. That's not okay. We we need to draw a line here about what is for sale and what's not for sale. And so the you know that this is an argument that that was valid hundred years ago is valid today. What what's up for sale and what's not up for sale? What should be up for sale? But here's the thing: mm-hmm. uh, uh, the the Arabs in Palestine at the time didn't get any say in what was legal in their country and what was not legal. Right. The British yeah, were the ones. They, they had an occupying power that yes. was setting the laws of what was legal and what was not legal, not the Arabs themselves. So it wasn't a legitimate, I don't think it was a legitimate uh, transaction when there was no self-government by the people who actually controlled the land by any by any. Uh, tra- uh, um, understanding of human rights, the the Arabs that had lived on the land, worked the land for for, for millennia, mm-hmm. uh, should have been the ones that had self government and got to decide these things. Not the British and not the Ottomans before them. It's all about boots on the ground. If I've got my army, my police, my uh, air force, my navy there, I get to dictate what the laws are. That's just gun diplomacy, I guess, and that's what the British are doing. Don't get me wrong, they're trying to work something out, but they're still there for their own selfish reasons. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. As we've talked about, Suez Canal, exactly. among other things. Exactly. And trying to get, you know, well, earlier it was trying to get uh, Jewish support in World War One. Uh, trying to stop the Jews from supporting the Germans in World War One, trying to get the Americans involved in World right. War One, and thinking by suck it up to the Jews, they would do that. Now they have to deal with this. Now that all that's happened and all that's been taken care of, I would say generally to the British satisfaction, now they still have to deal with this. You break it, you fix it. That's the foreign policy. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what America mm-hmm. has learned since uh, 2001, the hard way. Well, we have you fixed learned. anything? No, that's then? a good point. Okay. No. Forget that. Yeah. Scratch up that part. 
Then, so at the end of the 20s, so uh, 1929, another major violent episode broke out, the first one in eight years. Mm. And this was about who controlled the Western Wall in Jerusalem. Now, I'm assuming most people know a bit about this, but for those who don't, the most sacred site in Judaism is the only remaining section. Well, it was then. They've uncovered some more right. uh, in recent years. But a century ago, the only remaining section known of the temple, the second temple that was destroyed uh, after the, the great Jewish-Roman war in the late well, 60s um, CE, what is uh, the wall that surrounded the temple? It's not actually a wall of the temple. It's a wall that surrounded what was known as Temple Mount, mm-hmm. uh, where both the first and the second temples stood. And uh, the the it was the most sacred site in Judaism. Obviously, sacred to Christianity as well, and sacred to. The Muslims, and this is a thing that I think people often forget. I often have to point this out to people in right. online debates, and they go, "Well, uh, you know, the Jews belong there because God promised it to them." I go, "Well, hold on, they worship the same God yes. as the Muslims. Right. Just, they're all the same Abrahamic people. religions. Exactly. They always worship Yahweh, and yes, the same people." As I pointed out on the show a while back, right. back when they think this promising happened say, two and a half, three thousand years ago, they were all the same people. Today's Muslims were promised, their ancestors were the people that the God that they still worshipped promised the land to. <laughs> yes. They're all, they all got the same claim. If, if you think the promise of a non-existent deity <laughs> is a valid then, mechanism yeah. for geopolitical policy... Uh, then these the Arabs have exactly the same claim, exactly the same, and more because they actually lived there and had you know a genuine yeah. uh, modern political claim to it. So the whole <laughs> this never ceases to amaze me. Like the whole well, the God promised it to them so argument done. is complete, completely facile. Right. So not even if you're not an atheist, even if you're a believer, it's completely facile because these are the same people. But people don't. I don't know how many. How many? If you did a poll of Americans, mm-hmm. how many Americans do you think would even know that the Muslims worship the same God as the Jews and the Christians? I'm going to say no, it's uh, in the single digits, and that's because Fox News hasn't told them that. No, I, I would think it would be a very, very small percentage. Well. We don't know uh, how many Americans know that uh, they worship the same God. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's you know, this whole argument that the Jews were promised by facile. Now, uh, so I want to talk about this thing that broke out in 1929, but you, you wanted to interject with something first? Yeah, I just wanted to give it some context. So it would make a lot more sense when this thing literally pops up and catches everybody by surprise. So we talked about the 1920s, the uh, the number of the uh, uh, Jews coming into Palestine. And even though in some ways it was an impressive number, it, it could have been a lot worse because the Zionist leaders wanted a lot more coming in. But clearly the Arabs could see that if this keeps going, one day they will be a minority in their own country. And they've tried that whole um, non-violent political protest that wasn't getting them anywhere. But at the same time, they have to be careful because if they just if they pull a Jabotinsky, they're going to get in trouble with the British authorities, who again who have got troops on the ground. So they have to be careful about this. But the other thing that's affecting 
the Arabs, because all politics is local, is that they don't have a united leadership. You've got the two different uh, clans or camps, if you will. You've got the Husseinis, I don't know if I'm saying that right, the, uh, and their traditional rivals, the Nashashibis, um, who, are, who have different ideas about how to deal with the Jewish issue. Now, the, the Husseinis are the ones that are they're more powerful. They're being supported by the British. In fact, the British want them to theoretically one day have a government of some kind representing the people. But the other group, the opposition group, is purposefully being supported by the Jewish agency trying to create some tension there because the Jews know what they're doing, trying to play the Arabs off of against each other. But Amin al-Husseini, the head of the Supreme Muslim Council, doesn't want the opposition to be so powerful. If he could take a lot away a lot of their supporters and bring them on in his side, he'll be the unchallenged power representing the Arabs, and then he can start to focus on dealing with the Jews, but he's got his own internal struggle going on. So what he wants to do is he wants to exploit the people's, the locals' religious passions and get them on his side. He just has to wait for the perfect event to come along so, so people's anger will be sparked, their religious indignation nation will be ignited and he can use that. He's just got to wait for the right moment. And it looks like he's about to get his chance because he's been planning this for quite some time. Yeah. And so then they try to impeach him and he used that to get the religious fundamentalists to rise. Oh, sorry. No, that's the future history right. of the United States. Right. So it's future for another podcast, podcast yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that I do in the future. Yeah. yeah. Getting back to the Temple Mount. Yes. So, um, you know, uh, people know that it's uh, sacred to the Jews, right. also sacred to the Christians, uh, because <clears throat> let's not think too hard about it. Uh, you hate the Jews. Well, yes, but, but you know, we have... they like it, so we right. like it, you yeah. know, because something, something. You persecuted the Jews for 2,000 years. Yes, but, well, we did do that, right, but... That was us. You know, yeah. uh, you know, something, something. Jesus went there once. <laughs> so... Jesus... So, boom. Went to the... Te- yeah. Jesus went to the temple and right. apparently... Ordered a... Apparently... Coffee. Right, right. <laughs> grabbed a whip, <laughs> oh, started whipping people. Right. Th- overturning tables, whipping people, and... All of the soldiers, this is a place where they exchanged money. Yeah. It was a major trading hub right. outside the temple, so you could you could buy your sacrificial animals for the temple. Uh, yeah, so you would imagine lots of money is around. There would have been lots of security oh, guards. Ready to jump. Uh, yeah. Nothing happened. No, Jesus a, rocks in there. Son of God. Wearing his, right. wearing his fucking sandals. <laughs> no even, one goes, hey, Not keep, even meeting the dress code. Eye. Go ahead. Keep an eye on the dirty hippie. Like, just... <laughs> Who's not white. Walks in. Sorry. Starts overthrowing money tables, beat, whipping people, right. screaming, yelling like a madman. Right. No, nothing. Security guards supposedly did nothing. <laughs> just let him walk on out. Hey, uh, Barry, what do you reckon? Uh, should we... Should we arrest that guy who just, like, ran through here like a rhino and trashed it? Uh, no, look. I agree with him. Honestly? Yeah. Honestly, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I'm a Roman and everything, so, you know. I was going to do it myself. But, yeah, I'm glad he did it. Yeah. Yeah. I worship, uh, 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 I don't know, who today? Isis. Is Caligula around? (laughs) No, before Caligula. Right. Um, But, you know, quite frankly. Here, here. Fuck Fuck the Jews. Right. I don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, somebody comes in, trashes it. Well, but we are. Like, aren't we security? (laughs) Well, yes. No, I get paid to stand here, not take shit. (laughs) All right? So... 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to put myself. He might. He might be strapped. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not going to take him on. He might. A cane, a staff. He could know kung fu. I don't know what that is, but he could know it. Got to be careful. These fucking. These fucking hippies. Like, <laughs> you, never you never know. know. You never know. He, he might Ninja jab star. me with his joint right. or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know. Beat me with he his might. bong. Yeah. Yeah, he might disrespect me or something like, then, hey, man, like, like, you're the fascist <laughs> pigs, man. And like, uh, I, don't, I don't need that. I don't get paid don't, to just get abused by fucking dirty hippies. Yeah. Oh, man. But, so they stood there. Anyway, but yeah. the, my point is that it's also sacred to the Muslims, right. the uh, Temple Mount. The Arabs called it Al-Haram Al-Sharif, oh. the noble compound or sanctuary. It's the third holiest site uh, in Islam. I have a question. Um, I have a question. Yes. Right. How do you, what's what's the scale to grade how holy something is? Do you, did you run across that in your research? I mean, is there a holy meter, uh, a holy scale, uh, a holyometer? I don't know. Yeah, no, I think, I, you know, I think you just walk up and you lick it. <laughs> I, I tend to tell that's your solution to everything. God. By, hey, it's got me this far. I lick it and I go, yeah, I'll give this a three in terms of yeah. holy. Speaking of tongues and licking, Scotty Burbick, he always loves oh it when we give a shout out to Scotty Burbick. Yes, B. he does. Scotty Beach just sends me a text message out of the blue the other day. He says, my my tongue skills are better than yours. <laughs> oh. It's like, dude. Oh, it's on. It's not a competition, it's Scotty. Not, as long as everybody's it's not a competition. happy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come like, on. chill the fuck out, man. Like, it's okay. <laughs> However, like, do you do you try hard with your tongue to give pleasure? That's all that matters. Right. It's not. You, you're it's not a tell. rating. Exactly. No, yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's not. You don't need to. Yeah, however, that's, that's, that's counterproductive. Ha, feedback. However, if he wants to come to North Carolina when you have your movie premiere, uh, I can judge mm. uh, between the two of you. You'll. you'll You'll say, okay, get down, give it a lick. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's a, that's, give it a five. That's a third holy, a four holy. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you want to lick my holy and I'll tell you <laughs> how holy it feels. I think I stepped in the side. Third holy site after, after Mecca and Medina, right. uh, it was the third holy site. Uh, Muhammad never went there. If he had gone there, it would have been even holier. Oh. But on, on the Temple Mount... The first caliphs built two structures that were sacred to the Muslims: the Dome of the Rock, right, which covers the rock, which is sacred to both Jews and Arabs, because supposedly mm-hmm. Abraham, sure. the common father of both peoples, yeah. uh, prepared to sacrifice his son Isaac. You know, Ooh. we did that in the Renaissance yes. show. The whole. Jews into human sacrifice bit right. Um, right. on the rock. That's that's why the rock is the rock. That's when God went, oh, oh hey, hey. hey. <laughs> I was oh. joking. Oh, my God. Hey. Oh, my God. God. I told you to kill your own son and you were going to do it, dude. Did you not get the uh, tone in my email? That, I was joking. Anyway. And that and and that is when Jews got their. That's where they got their famous sense of humor from. <laughs> after that, they were like, "Oh, it was a joke." Oh, Never saw it everything. Oi. Everything Oi for bae. the Jews after that. Right. They could laugh about. Right. Nah, Holocaust. They still haven't figured out how to laugh about that. Uh, except Mel Brooks. Right. He, Mel Brooks loved a made little a, bit of Nazi made a humor. Fortune the, off of it. Yeah. And Larry David. Larry yes. David's. Uh, 
Likes New to, season's coming out, by the way. It. New season's coming out. I know. Yes. I can't believe that. I saw the trailer pop up. I was like, what? Yeah. I had no idea he was even coming back for another season. Yes. You know, that's that's He's huge. He's having fun. Anyway. Anyway, uh, so uh, sacred to the Muslims as well. The Western Wall is called Al-Barak Obama by the Muslims mm-hmm. um, after the Prophet Muhammad's horse. Sure. Uh, Barack Obama was the name of his horse. Um, <laughs> I knew that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I used to tell Fox bedtime stories and you know, I'd make up these stories about, you know, uh, going and fighting dragons. And I would always say, and I jumped on my jumped on my trusty steed, my speedy horse, right. Eddie Van Halen, and uh, we, 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 we took off and uh, he's still convinced that Eddie Van Halen, he knows who Eddie Van Halen right. is, the real Eddie Van Halen, but he's still convinced that Eddie Van Halen was the name of my horse when I was a sure. child battling dragons with nunchucks so, um, and lightsabers. What's Mohammed's connection to this Al-Barak or whatever? Well, it was, uh, you know, he, he is of the Abrahamic line of succession. Right. He is one of the prophets right. um, of, of that the came, you know, to worship Yahweh uh, after Abraham. Muslims think that Jesus was a prophet mm-hmm. and they believe that Muhammad was a prophet. Okay. So, um, you know, the, the rock uh, where Abraham was going to knife his only kid because <clears throat> an imaginary God told him to, LSD. And if you ever, right. you know, that's what I ever say to Christians. If God if God appeared to you right now and told you to stab me right. in the heart, right. would you do it? And they say, well, he wouldn't He wouldn't, He wouldn't. wouldn't do yep. that. I go, well, he, he, he told Abraham yep. to kill his son. That's the question. Would you well, do that? Well, yeah, but then he told him to stop it. And I'm going, well, that's okay. What if, he, what if he told you to do it? Would you do it? Right. Because if you say yes, I'm leaving right now. <laughs> and B, if you say no... <laughs> Then I don't think God. You yeah. know, you obviously don't you're not really. You're a true Christian. You don't believe. You're not a true believer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You know the faith. You're, Which one is it? You're lapsed. Yeah. I fucking hate that man. They <laughs> they hate it. They, whenever I say that, they end up they they go, it burns, <laughs> and they just dissolve into a puddle of water, and then then that puddle of water, right? You know, sort of squelches away and goes down a drain, and then they all join together and form a mega. Mega Christian, Mega Christian down in the trains. Right. Anything are coming, come and get me. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, they call it Al Barak, right? Uh, Obama, because I don't know. It's just uh, after his horse. I mean, yes. why would you name it after his horse? Well, I mean, call right. it, you know, the the the, the side of Muhammad. But why after his horse? What the fucks? Why do you name things after someone's horse? I don't get that. The only thing I read that even comes close to answering that is that supposedly that's where he tied his horse up before he was taken to heaven. Oh, yeah. I read that too. Okay. But, but why name did, it after he his didn't horse? Go, I don't, yeah. Muhammad didn't go to Jerusalem, did he? I don't. I'm not going to lie to you and pretend to be an expert. I don't know. Well, I don't know either, but I'm not aware of Muhammad going to Jerusalem. So how could they have, how could he have tied his horse up there if that wasn't a train station to heaven? I, I think I, it's just, it's just a myth. Um, oh, come on. I mean, yeah. religion. Islamic tradition. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, uh, he apparently uh, visited the, the city on a nocturnal journey. Mm. Uh, went there, believed to have been taken by the miraculous steed Barak, 
to visit Jerusalem where he prayed and then to visit heaven in a single night in the year 610. That sounds like a tourist board decision. Uh, I'm just saying. I could be wrong. I don't think I am. Oh, and it's a mystical steed yeah. that took him there. Okay. Just uh, yeah, 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 yeah. you got to love your mystical steeds. Don't you? That's, I, I had one, Eddie Van Halen. Uh, had wings. Of course. The Barack, of course Barack had wings. So the side I is... believe I can fly because <laughs> I'm what? a horse and I got... Yeah, so this is a site that is sacred to all three. The Muslims, the Christians, the Jews... And they're all in yes, the area. that's what, what I was could getting to. possibly go yeah. wrong? What could, what could possibly go wrong? Right. So uh, the, the Muslims believed that the Jews intended to destroy <gasps> the Islamic structures on the Temple Mount and, and rebuild their own temple, <gasps> oh, the third shit. temple. Third. Okay. The third temple. Um, now, there was something called the Pro-Wailing Wall Committee mm-hmm. that was established in July 1929 by Joseph Klausner, who was a professor of modern Hebrew literature at Hebrew University, which has been set up not many years before that, to promote Jewish rights at the Western Wall. And he was a member of Beta, oh, Better Not Pout, Better Not Cry, Jabba the Hutt's yeah, militaristic, Mussolini-loving, revisionist <laughs> youth movement. And Klaus's pro-Wailing Wall Committee wrote in their uh, Zionist newspaper, Doya Hayom, which uh, Jabotinsky was actually the editor of. Right. Uh, he wrote, We cannot trust any more the actions of existing institutions in this matter, and it was decided to take separate action. Hmm. They're starting shit. They're starting some shit. And in an to. article in the Palestine Weekly on the same day, Klausner wrote, But what about the Jews? Cannot they too throw stones? Have they not hands or even fists? What did Shakespeare say about his Shylock? Hath not a Jew eyes? If you wrong us, shall we not revenge? And all of these tensions about this, about the, the, the ownership, the occupation who got to control the future of the Temple Mount, right. continued to build until the summer of 1929, when Sir John Chancellor, the British High Commissioner, who'd only been there for about a year, he was an anti-Zionist, he decided, you know what, uh, things are getting pretty tense here, uh, things are starting to build, starting to look, starting yeah, to look yeah. a lot like... Christmas, and by Christmas I mean the Jews and the Arabs going at each other. Uh, you know what? Uh, a bit like Ray during uh, the busy season right. of podcasting, uh, I think I'm just <laughs> going to leave for a while. Just going to take some time off. Some me time. So Sir John Chancellor, right. yeah, he just went to England, <laughs> as did the vast majority of the British police force. Right, sounds like They were okay. like, listen, it's it's hot. Yeah, it's, I don't want to uh, be here. It's a fucking desert. It's hot. All of these people hate each other. What could go wrong? Let's just just let's leave for a while. Right. And that is where we're going to leave episode 143. Mm. Uh, coming up in our next episode, despite, like, who could have known? It's a bit like... Shock. A bit like you know, the attacks on 9-11. They were like, well, yes, we knew 
that uh, Islamic fundamentalists were learning to become airline pilots, and we knew there had been chatter that we had intercepted about terrorists flying planes into buildings around America, but who could have known? (laughs) Who could have seen that coming? Who could have foreseen that coming? No, no no one saw... That coming. A bit like the GFC, the crash of the uh, housing loan market, toxic housing loans in uh, 2008. Like, yes, okay, many, 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 many people had predicted it was going to happen and a lot of people made fortunes by correctly predicting it, the the, the topic of the film Big Short uh, by Adam McKay. Uh, But outside of that, (laughs) outside of all of the people who predicted it, who could have possibly – no one saw it coming. Like, okay, so Saddam didn't have WMD, and, you know, despite the fact that many people knew that and said that publicly for a good couple of years before we invaded Iraq on the basis of the fact that he had WMD, we had no way of knowing, apart from the people who told us over and over again that he didn't have – apart from that, we we had no way of seeing that coming. Egg on my face. Uh, So, you know, listen, don't – you can't point the finger (laughs) at us. Right. No, not us. Fox, by the way, I got to tell you, Fox and I were driving around in the car during the week and I had one of our podcasts on. Right. I uh, can't, can't remember which one. And after about 10 minutes, Fox says, Daddy, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. Well, buddy, why does Ray laugh all the time on your podcasts? <laughs> I said, it's a combination of alcohol and dementia, my friend. Alcohol and Not dementia. Not in that order. But yeah, you're right. You're right. All right, we'll be back next week. But it's something that's never going to happen. What the fuck? Oh, I'm a pansy. It's not the link, it's what you do with it while you have it. Shut up, Churchill. Um, shot, gas? No, I did not. Can you tell me about him? was in the wrong spot. Soviet military buildup on the island of Cuba. The purpose of these bases can be none other than to provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> Pedophile. Not to mention her vagina. Do you love me? No, I... I yeah, no, I... I yeah. He's getting angry because she's a whore.